Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Podcapers, the official podcast of a place to hang your cape. And this week, Zoic Scoob, there's ghosts everywhere! We're talking about Ghost Island! Cue the music! Hello there, capers, and as I said, welcome to Pod Capers, the official podcast for place to hang your cape. My name is Scott James Merridew, and this is a show where we talk about various geek and nerd-related topics, and are joined each week by a very special different guest. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about a horror comic, so let's keep that train rolling with Ghost Island. And I'm joined by the writer slash creator for it. Please give it up for Joseph Oliveira. Hello. Oliveira. That's it. Oliveira, why did I get that wrong? Damn it, I asked about it before we started as well. God, I'm useless. Don't blame me, capers, I'm ill. <gasps> but how are you, Joseph? I'm very well, thanks, Scott. How are you? As I said, bit ill, bit out of it. I have taken, like, three strepsils today, so I'm a bit loopy. <laughs> okay. I doubt many of the capers will notice the difference. But uh, more importantly... Though there may be a bit of a lurgy going around in my flat, there's some spooky stuff going on in this island. And I rather like it. Yeah? Cool. Oh. Yeah! <laughs> Ghost and shit. I've, I, I've talked, we talked about horror a bit uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Mandy the Monster Hunter. But it's always been something I've never really gotten into. And ghosts are part of the reason why. Because, wait, let me put it this way. When you're up against Frankenstein... You know what he can do. He's going to reach over and he's going to throttle you. Maybe we'll do a song and dance number. You, 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 you're pretty sure you're on solid ground. With ghosts, anything can happen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I love the unknown of, and, and the realms of that. So of what, And it just adds to the story of what anything can happen. So, yeah, there's, there's that aspect, definitely. I know where you're coming from. Yeah, but before we go too heavily into that, before we go talk about Ghost Com- Ghost Island, let's talk about you! Who are you? What do you do? What is your reason for being? Um, so, I'm Joseph Oliveira. I'm the writer, creator, and uh, name behind the publisher Afterlight Comics. Um, it's a horror comic publishing house, and we just primarily, obviously, just do um, horror comics, like Ghost Island, uh, Wendigo Wood, our latest comic, uh, Folk Tales of the Cryptids, and yeah, just all, all the general spooky stuff. When when we ever do conventions and stuff, um, people are always drawn to the table because of the like horror aspect. So I think it's quite a niche um, to have at comic cons and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, 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 like you said in comics as well, you've never really um, seen horror comics. So. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I've been to. Uh, I'm going to slightly more conventions now. I'm, I'm, I'm up to four, a grand total of four conventions in my lifetime. Look at me, I'm a re- I'm a regular congoer. And but uh, I mean, the, the admittedly limited experience I have, I always notice like if there's going to be a horror comic booth or table at all, there's only going to be one, maybe two if you're kind of lucky. One that sort of uh, sort of horror-esque maybe so as you say it really is kind of a niche and i wonder why that is i think because it's a very difficult um genre to to um adapt into comics because obviously a big aspect of horror in film is you know you've got your jump scares you've got your music you've got your um you know uh 
blood and guts and stuff, and I think it's hard to try and get that onto a page and still scare somebody. I don't know, because there are plenty of scary novels out there. Of course, yeah. Um, but I think it's because you can't really determine the pace as well, like a film. Ah, so yeah. you could you could stop on the page, you could put that down, or you lose. Yes, yeah, it's it's. it's when you're reading a Stephen King book and it gets a bit too a uh, bit too uh, gives you a bit too much much of the willies, you could just like put it down. Yeah. For a movie, oh well, I suppose you could pause it, but not <laughs> if you go to the cinema. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You're not pausing it at the cinema. Are you? I'm sure many people who went to see uh, the uh, fuck was it? Uh, not it, the other one. Uh, the gunslinger thing, uh, Dark Tower. I bet a lot of people when they went to see that in the movie thought they could wish they could pause that. <laughs> I've not seen it. I can't comment. I haven't seen it either, and I can't comment. But I did so anyway because it's my show, and I can do whatever the hell I like. <laughs> okay, so let's talk. Let's talk a bit about uh, Afterlight Comics. Are you the founder? Have I got that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I do most of. I do all the. Uh, hands-on, hands-off work. Uh, basically, the the artists, what I get to uh, artists to do everything else, basically, in, in the book. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, the, I do like, the lettering, the writing, the marketing, the convention going. Um, yeah, every, everything else. You're on the front lines! <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like you, you said about you, you've done, was it four conventions? Was that this year you've done four conventions? This year I've done two conventions. All right, okay. And Capus, if you keep your ear out, I might, and that is a big, big might, do two more. So, you know, busy year for me. I'd, I'd never done, I can, I'd never been to a comic convention until last year, and I don't, um, I did 29 conventions last year. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, man? Well, I am partially <laughs> ill and partially surprised, because 20, how are you not a ghost? <laughs> That would well, kill uh, most strong, able-bodied men. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, wow, so twenty. Yeah, so that's uh, you, you, you're pushing the boat up. Well done, you. That's <laughs> that's very good. Oh my god. Oh geez. So uh, so afterlight. Um, so what prompted you to start that? Um, so we started uh, the the very first book I ever published was Ghost Island. Um, issue one and that was on kickstarter and as i was just finding my feet in in comics and trying to find my my route and what i was gonna pursue i had other ideas um like uh wendigo wood and folk tales of the cryptids other horror graphic novels that we've published and i didn't want to just be um like the ghost island guy so it was like come up with a brand that would be associated with all these comics so that was the main the main um, reason behind publishing a label, really, so people could identify or after like comics. That's a horror uh, publisher. I, I I love horror. I love comics. You know. Well, why have horror. one ace up your sleeve when you can have four? Exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not how you play poker, but I don't know card games. So... <laughs> Same. Yeah. So talking about horror, like, so what is it about horror that appeals to you so much? Why do you like doing it? I just love the uh, feeling of being able to tell a story that builds tension and atmosphere within a reader while they're reading the story and just like they what it's so much tension that they want to keep turning the page and turning the page of what um evolves throughout the story sort of morbid Um, fascination almost yeah kind of but i'm not into i'm not into like all blood and gore and it's more about it's all it's all really about tension and building and creating an atmosphere for me and not really no halloween uh friday the uh, nightmare on massacre stuff yeah no no slasher stuff um but i i i I love films like the shining the sixth sense um those kind of brooding i see dead people that's because you live next to a mortuary kid (laughs) that's a deleted scene isn't it (laughs) There's a good reason. Your next door neighbor is an undertaker. Oh, no, no. But yeah, yeah, it is something about tension. And that's the thing. We're seeing a lot more horror films. It really has become, become sort of a, a um, sort of, I want to say golden era, but it's become like a sort of a renaissance recently for horror films with uh, studios like, uh, is it Blumhouse? Blumhouse? Yeah. Blumhouse? Yeah, I, Blumhouse, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They've been really cranking out a lot of stuff. And a lot of them 
yeah, sometimes have a bit of the gore about them, but a lot of them are based on this idea of real tension and atmosphere. I think that's one of the reasons why Hereditary, more recent mm. film, got so much press and so much critical acclaim. Yeah, I love that film. I, th- I think also it's it's thing, a film like Get Out as well. That was a oh, big yeah. success, wasn't it? I mean, it's I think because they can be really low-budget horror films and they just churn them out and not really put much into the story and just go for the blood and gore aspect. But like you said, in the last couple of years, I think they've concentrated on actually doing a good story. Yeah, because the, the time was, all you needed was like 30 extras in bikinis, a, several buckets of red paint, and a guy in a creepy mask and a fake you know, rubber knife, and you were golden. Yeah. Now you've got to actually put effort into it. <laughs> oh no, said every other studio exec. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I, I, think, I, I mean, here's the thing. Spoke about this before. Horror, not really my thing. I don't like being scared. It's not a fun experience for me. And I think people that do enjoy being scared are weirdos. But uh, I, I, I do. I, having said that, I do understand the appeal. It's that sort of tension. How I might feel when I'm watching like an action movie or something is how people feel when they're watching a horror film. And it can lead to some really intriguing concepts. I haven't watched that many horror films, but. Uh, one horror film that I have I saw not too long ago for the first time, which I actually really liked. Uh, what was it called? A Happy Death Day. All right, yeah, I've seen that one. It's, 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 I think it. I think it's interesting because it brought the horror genre in with this something that has been done quite a while in other forms of media, uh, the time loop sort of thing. Mm. And they do the, the obligatory Groundhog Day thing, but it, they yeah. use it to its full experience. What if you kept getting killed over and over and over again? And that was, you had to solve basically your own murder with each day. And it's intriguing concepts like that. And it's, that really shows how people in horror are willing to push the boat out and explore new concepts, or at the very least combine old concepts with uh, the horror genre to create new concepts. Because we both know originality is dead. We killed it long ago, long, long, long ago, and then we brought it back to life, and we killed it again, and then we cloned it, and we killed that clone, and we've been doing that for the last 70 years or so. But uh, that's what I think is like about Ghost Island, because it's, uh, desc- it's been described, I think myself and by other people, as sort of, well, ghosts meet a Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, Jurassic Park, but with ghosts. That's the... Uh, um pitch line uh, i was at a convention once and it was like the third convention there, and then my friends I, I was pitching it to somebody and I, I didn't actually make that connection yet and then my friend said oh it's Jurassic park but with ghosts isn't it i was like oh i should have been saying that all along <laughs> it's the perfect elevator pitch and that's that's yeah. the thing. i i you know there are plenty of studio executives out there that heard or probably hearing the word Jurassic park with ghosts i am in <laughs> yeah. okay uh slightly weird uh tangent capers um a bubble just threw, flew outside of my window. Like, you can't see that, Joseph. No one else could see that, but a blubber. There are someone blowing bubbles outside my window. I, th- I think the strepsils have finally gone to your head. I think that's what it is. What is happening? And why is my mother in the corner of the room playing an old gramophone? <laughs> Mum, why don't you have a face? <laughs> oh, God, I'm starting a horror story now, aren't I? Stick to this one. Stick to this one. And it... I think that's a, such a intriguing idea. I'm kind of surprised no one has thought of it before. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, th- I think you really stumbled onto a gem here. Like, it, it makes so much sense. Like, let's be honest. This is something the Ghostbusters could have done. Like, if they found a way to display all the ghosts they captured, you know, the ones that weren't let loose for that one stupid ginger guy, then, uh, <laughs> then they would have made a lot of money on that. Jeez. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, that's... I don't know. Well, I'm doing it now, so... Yeah. Anyone else, I'll just do that. Anyone else does it, then they're <laughs> infringing upon your golden idea. <laughs> yeah. No, um, but, uh, well, last year we, we actually had some TV and film interest in, in the acquiring the rights for Ghost Island. I am not um, surprised. How did that so, go? Um, well, it, it that, The little that you can tell us, obviously, because a lot of the times you, you can't do this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, they, they wanted to like option it. Yeah, it kind of tailed yeah. off a bit, but um, it's it's just amazing for me to see uh, it be viewed in that light because I'm from a filmmaking background and I yeah you were nominated to... for a BAFTA, weren't you? Yeah, for a young person's uh, BAFTA award, it was like a number twenty five thing. Oh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, 
for for one a short film that I've made. Um, so it's it's amazing to see that from another side, you know, from me being a making comics now and like a film aspect coming in to potentially take it on board. You're an influencer. <gasps> God, yeah. Yeah, it really is such a classic setup, and it's also not just with the whole uh, Jurassic Park thing, but also it's got one of those um, sort of Agatha Christie-esque uh, sort of gothic aspect to it, because this premise, the setup, is that there's creepy, wealthy, old, recluse, weirdo, entrepreneur guy named Deakins, uh, my interpretation, not necessarily anyone else's, uh, invites several people over to his island, basically, because, you know, people own islands. That's a thing that lots of people do all the time. <laughs> and where he, there was a, there's his mansion, of course, because any horror story needs to have a mansion. That's, that's the law. <laughs> and also there's an asylum on the island filled with, like, the worst of the worst people who are, and, except they're not so much people as they are former people, ex-people, Run down the curtain and join the choir invisible! Sorry. Sorry. I don't know what happened to me there. Jeez. Uh, and they're all ghosts. There's ghosts in the asylum. And they're holding them there for the purpose of an exhibit. But he's also just brought all these people there and had them, like, announce this to them over, <laughs> over like, dinner and stuff. This is this is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But you, that's, the base, that's the basic setup. Yeah. Um, they're all... Uh, like physical form ghosts that it, so it could it could look like you walking into a prison kind of thing they're not like see-through or anything like that and they're being held by like some kind of ancient curse behind yeah the, there's weird the there's like doors with like latin all over them what does that mm. mean the latin because i don't know latin because i was educated in britain and therefore you know don't know shit <laughs> well yeah it goes deeper into the lore of uh, like the making of the island in later issues, particularly like issue four and issue five. Um, okay, so I don't good. want to spoil too much on that one. No, absolutely, because uh, I've read issues are uh, one to three. That was the issue provided to me. Issue four is coming out, or has it come out this month? Hasn't it? It's coming out on a Kickstarter on September third, issue four. Okay, because coming out September third. Okay, well we'll provide a link to that in the uh, show notes if you. Awesome. Uh, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, I mean, actually, will we be able to provide a link to the show notes? No, we won't. No, we won't be able to provide a link to the show notes unless you give us one. Yeah, yeah, I'll absolutely give one. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, so we're on Facebook, Afterlight Comics, Instagram or Twitter if you want to follow us on there. Okay, link we'll provide links well. to those, Capers, so you can keep up to date with this sort of thing. Because yeah. this is, I think this is something worth watching. But let's talk about uh, some of the characters that we meet. Uh, the first main character we meet is uh, Josh Evans, a creepy-looking dude with a beard. <laughs> yeah. He does look rather bescraggly, if I may yeah. say so. He's gone through. He's gone through a bit of hell. He has, really, because uh, Josh is a psychic that a well-known, much-beloved, and highly respectable profession who has had a bit of a troubled past, and uh, he's, he's gone for, he's seen some shit. He's seen some shit. And he now basically goes around uh, performing, like, low-level seances for people, and then, which goes about as well as you can expect, discovering, like, murdered children! Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, that's the first scene. Like you, you, you hit the ground running there. You hit the ground running. You do not hold back in terms of the mature themes and content of this comic. 
Absolutely. Well, I think it's like it is very much like an adult uh, graphic novel series. Um, I have like thirteen year olds and under come up to the table, like looking at it, like, "Wow, mum, can I get this?" I'm like, mm, "I don't think you can." Billy, no, stay away. <laughs> um, but yeah, Josh Evans, he he's been through a lot of shit, like you said. Um, he he basically the premise of Josh is he he wakes up. Um, one night and he has the blood of his uh, loved one on on his hands and her his wife and he she's just totally disappeared and he's under investigation for the murder of her and he has no recollection or uh, memory of the events that have took place and that um, is kind of like the spine of the story of Ghost Island mm. and the you, the flashback it's, it's like a, it's like a it. yeah it's it's like a it's a recurring. Thing, cause that's another thing that I like about this comic. It's got you've got the main plot going on, but you've also got all these side plots going with all these character backstories, because mm-hmm. uh, they've all got actual lives. They didn't they didn't just appear in the story and then fill some role in the main plot and that's it. They've all got something else going on as well. well that, that, that was really important to me because you have like like you said when we were talking about slasher films, you know you have just like people running around in bikinis or some jocks and stuff. You know, and you're not really caring about the character. I want the reader to be able to possibly relate to some of the char- characters or what they've gone through in their past, or um, be able to like feel you know sympathy for them. So when they do inevitably do something bad happens, you know, you, yeah. you care about that. Well, so something I will say, like none of them have like happy backstories. No, well, it's it's mind you, it's called Ghost Island. If they did have happy backstories, that would feel really weird. I think everyone's very. Um, as much as split apart, everybody isn't so different. I think they're all very uh, united in their grief, and that was really important to me that they go into this very morbid ghost island, and actually their pasts involve a lot of grief as well. Um, and it's about traveling, uh, like that journey through grief. I think to you know try and see the light to the other side by the end of the story. Yeah, because I mean, we've all got journeys to go through, and uh, the more journeys you're on, the uh, more places you'll see. And this is turning into a Dr. Seuss book for some reason. Moving on! <laughs> uh, one thing I will say, um, uh, early in the beginning of the comic, um, Josh gets the uh, the letter from Deacons inviting him to, uh, you know, Ghost Park, if you will. Mm. Uh, but in, in the letter, it's dressed to Josh White, not Josh Evans. Yeah. Um, I think that was like before he, he was about to get married, or there was like a fiance. So ah, okay. And yeah, he's gone back to that name kind of thing. Well, how how remarkably progressive! I like it. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Josh. There's also a Mason who's yeah. traveling there with his kid, who uh, stands out among kid characters and comics in that he stops just short of being really fucking annoying. <laughs> It's one of those, um, well, I don't have kids myself, but I, know, I have a lot of uh, friends that do. And, you know, they say, like, if you can't have a minute without one of them running off and doing something stupid and not being able to not keep an eye on them. For a Billy, second, no, so. don't pet the velociraptor. <laughs> Billy, on. no, don't put your foot in the bear trap. Billy, no, don't go swimming in the hydrochloric acid. That's bad for you. Yeah, he's very he's very adventurous and wants to go on his own little adventure. So, and his dad's quite old, so he can't really keep up with him. So, um, yeah, but they do actually. I mean, I say they stop short of being annoying because he's not annoying. He's he is you know he's no I, not kind of interesting. He's interesting through his dad because his yeah. dad's got the interesting relationship because his dad's kind of gruff and grumpy. Uh, I noticed with pretty much everyone, but not with his kid. He's actually you know, really nice and supportive. Like, he's shouting at someone else in one minute, and then your kid speaks to him, and he's like, yeah, okay, what is it? You okay? Yeah? And he, I, I really like that. It showed that, yeah, again, lays to this character. Yeah, he's probably one of the most innocent people on the island, yeah. Yeah, it, it was really interesting. Um, and then you've got the, uh, the arsehole skeptic journalist... Why is it in horror films, or just like films in general, the the guy that doesn't believe that the thing that never happens isn't actually happening is always the asshole? Why is that? I think it was important to have like a skeptic on the island and to to like challenge the beliefs. Otherwise, Absolutely, I completely agree with that. But why does he have to be an asshole? 
Why? I'm a skeptic myself, and I find it's it's always kind of annoying to me. We talked about Ghostbusters before with the ginger bastard, but like he Waterpeck, right? Now I'm I'm going on around here. Now this is happening. Waterpeck goes to the Ghostbusters and say, "Hey, you guys, you're you're using up a lot of energy here. I work for the Environmental Protection Agency. I need to make sure this is all okay. Could I do that?" Well, I'm Peter Venkman, so I'm going to be an asshole to you. But I'm just trying to do my job. Nope, asshole. Okay, well, I'm going to have to come back and, you know, I'm going to be a bit more serious next time. Nope, asshole. Okay, well, I'm back now. And seeing as you refused to cooperate with me in, like, you know, in a very important thing, which would have taken up, like, n required no problems from you, I guess now we've got to shut all these machines off. You can't shut them off. Tell me why. We're not going to explain in a big detail. Well, I'm going to have to shut them off then. Uh-oh, it blew up. Why didn't you tell me that it would blow up? Well, we just assumed that you were an asshole. But, but you're the asshole as well. But he has no dick. How dare you? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a bit of an arsehole. Yeah, yeah, he could have maybe, like, when they told him not to touch the switch, he could have, you know, not touched the switch. Like, if you go into a nuclear reactor and say, hey, what does this button do? And they say, don't touch the button. I wouldn't fucking touch the button. But still, like, our first meeting, just like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, here we go. Right, so this is the machine where we trap or store the goes. This is where we do the thing. This is how this works. And here this works. I could show you our energy bill, and here's how it all works. I'm not sure I believe you. We're winding to shadow us on one of our calls, and we'll show you a real ghost and how we trap it. Well, that makes sense. That would solve the whole movie! Like, Gozer wouldn't come after that! Just a little bit of cooperation, Bill Murray! <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been holding that in for a while. <laughs> I can tell. Oh, God. The, the thing oh, okay. With, the, the thing with the, the journalist on the island, I think that goes with his, his profession as well. He's after that cutthroat story. He wants the big story. So he, he'll, he'll do anything to get that. And by maybe by means of being an arsehole, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Well, you know what? Sometimes you need an arsehole. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Especially when there's dicks involved. Wait, that sounds... Okay, this is going in a bit too much of a Team America World Police type scenario. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. And he is also joined by someone who is... Uh, I can't remember her name, but she's like an apprentice journalist. Alice, yeah. yeah. Alice, yeah. The apprentice, yeah. Who's uh, is much nicer than he is. Yeah, um, yeah. Alice has got her her own things going on as well. She like she's going through her own grief, um, and she's like shadowing uh, Mike, the journalist. Um, she's kind of doing her own research. Mike's after trying to get the, a confession out of Josh that he, you know, he murdered his wife. And, and in fairness, in fairness. He has really good reason to believe that. Like, I mean, we know, or at least we assume, based on what we got, that uh, Josh did not murder his wife. But let's look at it from an outsider's perspective. There was blood found on him and the body is missing. Like, that is suspicious. I mean, I'm not a detective. I'll freely admit that. But I think that would be suspicious. Like, if I, I found someone's like, hey, where's your spouse? Oh, they're gone. Why is there blood on your hands? Uh, I, I, I don't know. You don't know? I don't remember. You don't remember how blood got on your hands? No. Well, gee, Barry, that seems rather suspicious, I think. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, maybe, maybe Mike's right. Maybe Mike's right. Maybe he's the secret unsung hero of this whole story. Possibly. Possibly. But uh, it was Alice, as, as, as is much better. Oh, I, I, I did want to... Uh, do you want to go into her backstory? Yeah, we can do, yeah. Okay, so her backstory is that her child, her baby, uh, died in its crib, sadly, of cot death, and uh, no one believed her, and they said that she smothered it, so she joined... Uh, wanted to become a journalist to find the truth. Question... Couldn't, like, a basic autopsy prove that it was cock death? I think there was, like, a, a lot of confusion over what happened and, um, and, and, and the build-up to that, and, yeah. Well, in fairness, I'm on issue three. There's plenty of information that I haven't seen yet. And I am interested to see where the story goes. And it is interesting, because she and Josh develop a sort of bond because, uh... They both lost loved ones, uh, as had uh, Mason, who's 
uh, Mason's backstory, I mean, dear God, this is getting more depressing by the second. It's called Ghost Island. What was I expecting? Uh, uh, his wife uh, got like early onset dementia and or, well, dementia at any rate. And um, so she slowly, slowly uh, lost more of her mind. And she's made a promise that when she couldn't remember her own son, that he would, you know, put her out of her misery, which eventually he did. Dear God. Like, and, and it's, it's also, it's done in a really interesting way, because at this point, uh, when, when we find that out, uh, Mason is, uh, Mason's son has gone missing on the island. And like, if there's one place a child should not go missing, it's an island filled with ghosts. Yep. That's not a good place to go missing. And, um, and he's, he's, he's sort of revealed in flashbacks and stuff, when he's sort of really at the bottom of of his rope and it's it is really impactful i have to say oh. a lot of the emotions in this comic really hit hit you like a gut punch as much as you do spend your time on the atmosphere and the creepy factor you will spend a lot of time on the motivations and the emotions of all of the characters no that's really that's really fantastic to hear yeah i appreciate that um yeah but like like i was saying before it's, it was really important to you know it's it, it can be it can sound very um playing a, a like a cash and grab saying Jurassic Park but of ghosts but there's a lot of you know character development and you know real 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 people on the island with with stories themselves and the the ghost uh, Jurassic Park with ghosts is really like the the background kind of to the story really well yeah absolutely I must really, you can never judge a movie solely by its premise or its tagline or its elevator pitch like you I mean yeah you hear some stupid stuff around there but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I mean, like, if, when you boil down any movie, they all sound a bit like Citizen Kane. That's like the story of a guy who's a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's it. Like, that doesn't go get across the nuance or the the, the interesting factors of it. It, it you, you, So you can't just, you know, just... I mean, like, let me put it this way. Like, it's like... um. What was it? No, that's a bad example. I was about to go into a whole snakes on a plane sort of thing, but that's not as good as this. I'll be honest. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> but uh, it's it's one of, like you do whatever you have to do to get bums on seat to get people reading, and once you've got them there, that's when you actually do something really serious and just do something really interesting. Like we've all seen the trailer for Mad Max Fury Road. Like what a lovely day, sort of thing. And yeah, it's got that element to it, but it's also got the emotional side, and it's got it, the no marketing, no matter how good, can ever truly convey what the experience or the uh, the, the the feel of these characters is going to be like, and their emotional journey. It's it's never going to do it justice because you can't compress uh, the content or the themes. Of uh, a whole like, is it five part, six part comics? It's going to be six part, yeah. six part comic yeah. into just like a, a few words, worded sentence, or you can't. Mm. No, it's just like you can't compress the whole feel of a movie into a uh, two minute trailer. It's you can come close, you can give people a general idea, but you can't fully engage them on that level. Nor should you, because if you did, then. Bye bye movies. We just watch two minute trailers, and that'll be that'll be us. We'd be satisfied yeah. with that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think like the thing with Ghost Island, because it's horror, you might expect or you know just just quick quick deaths and things like that. But I think the most important and most memorable like stories and making it more unique in horror that it's it's rooted to like a, real emotions and um um stories that people could possibly relate to and that makes the horror a bit more uh 3d in that aspect you know yeah because i mean because like i mean because one of the great things why the halloween franchise michael myers has had so much mainstay and it's still going even now they're getting another one out recently mm -hmm. uh, it's because uh we get really invested in these characters and we want to see them survive and want we interested in their journey and how they how they progress and uh, that, that's why some of the best what some of the best horror films stay and some of the worst horror films like zombie cheerleaders a go-go fade into the background because we don't care if we don't care that people are going to about these characters in the journey then we won't care when they die 
and it's basically just like, oh, look, we've got a cast of characters here who are basically up on the ghost menu, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And we need to have some sort of staying power, and you really do that. And it, uh, some characters in this uh, in the comic uh, do die, rather shocking ways, I might say. I'm not going to give too much away. And it it really does have an impact. It's like, oh, 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 oh no. Now we're not going to see this carrot again. Or will we? Because, you know, ghosts, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is another thing I really like about this premise, is that you've got an asylum full of ghosts, and you take advantage of that by showing, like, the backstory of some of the ghosts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was really important. Um, because the one of the other basic premises I wanted to explore in Ghost Island was, you know, what what makes a person evil. Um, I don't believe in, you know, people are just born a certain way. I believe everyone's shaped by their, uh, you know, upbringing of childhood or, you know, shaped by things things that have happened to them. Um, so we the... are formless clay blobs that are shaped by the hands of time. <laughs> And I think Scott James uh, married you, 2018. I think um, that well, there's like there's hundreds of stories to explore on that island, you know, in, uh, with with each of the ghost paths. I mean, that's if you know, if something like a Netflix series happened, that's what I'd pitch. I'd pitch it like this to be an ongoing story on the island with the characters, but then Josh would be then tasked with going into like each of the histories of each of the ghosts to find out um, their past to. You know, then exhibit on the island for the, the the opening of the island. So it's it would have a lot of potential, like episodically. Yeah, somewhere mm. somehow Ryan Murphy just picked his head up and said, "Wait a minute, I missed a trick here." <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. That, that would be that would be really good if we. If, I, I would. I mean, okay. I say I would like to see a, a television series about that sort of thing. I wouldn't because I don't really like horror and that would creep me out too much. But I'd like the fact that that exists. Let me put it that way. Yeah. I'll take it. Let me put it this way. It's like, um, it's like uh, Care Bears. I don't need the Care Bears in my life, but I feel a little bit better knowing they're out there somewhere. <laughs> On Ghost Island. On Ghost Island. <laughs> That's Everybody, <laughs> Care Bears, stare! Remember, no, don't that... cross the streams. No, that does sound like a horror film. <laughs> Oh, God, the ghost killed the Care Bear Cousins. Oh, no. Spin-off. Spin-off. <laughs> oh, jeez, what, what are we talking about? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. Uh, so, uh, one thing I do want to talk about is the artwork. Um, so, who the artist on this is uh, It's Annabelle Turleone? Turleone? Uh, Annabella Turleone, yeah. Uh, Turleone, yeah. I'm great with names, can't you tell? <laughs> She's a she's a Spanish artist and uh, yeah she's been working on the issue with me since the first one and you know she's gonna continue to see the uh, rest of the series out which is amazing you know a six issue series is no easy feat um, to be working on it's it's come up to our like two year anniversary of working together on this now uh, I've I've never met met her myself we've only communicated online uh, in different countries so but it's really cool to be able to work with somebody you know halfway across the world and. Uh, put something together like this. That, that is the great thing about the time we live in now. Not like I mean, well, you're you're in uh, Liverpool right now, aren't you? That's right, yeah. And I'm in Edinburgh, and yet we're talking like we're in the same room. We're communicating. We're conversation. We're discussing. We're having a chat. <laughs> and you taking that one step further and doing and creating a work of art with someone about halfway around the world. It's. Uh, I, I, I love that we can do that now. I love that we can, you know, put things out there on the internet. This is, you know, I, I mean, let me put it the way, obvious, I know, but without the internet, I would not be able to do this podcast. No one's going to give me a job in radio. Can you imagine? The BBC would have me off the airwaves in 3.5 picoseconds. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't. You could just, you immediately, I start shouting at the microphone and start telling everyone how much I hate Jonathan Frakes. And they're like, oh crap, we've got to get this guy off the air. Oh no, why does he even like Jonathan Frakes? Oh, that's why. Because he, he knows what he did. He knows what he did. But anyway, uh, 
So yeah, that is great. So what is your? I mean, I, I, that is interesting. I do want to talk about what is that working relationship? What like t talking and uh, creating something with someone like halfway around the world? Um, it's amazing. Um, well, I oh, I Spain. Also... It's not really halfway around the world. Like a quarter of the yeah, way around yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, a Ryanair across the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I type all all the scripts up and um, I, I send them over to Annabella and literally like from from day one. I don't really have to make any changes, you know. I, I lay out the shots and what needs to happen in each panel, and um, we've just really had a, a great working relationship since then. And she, to for somebody to get the vision as well, she brought that noir aspect to the comic that I hadn't previously envisioned. Because it's, um, it's black and white. Yeah, it's black fun. and white. Yeah, we well, I was playing around in the first issue whether it was going to be coloured or not, but. She brought such an amazing like blacks and greys and that that noir esque that feel to it that I was just like, oh, well, well, we're sticking with this now. And, yeah. Because um, it works for it. It works in its favour. I think so. Yeah. It's got like the house on haunted hill kind of old feel. I think as well. Um, yeah. So. It's, it, it, I mean, uh, it, now that you said that, it's really got me thinking of a psycho and that sort of thing <laughs> and that sort of. It's it's one of those things where it's dark and oppressive and foreboding and atmospheric without looking like it's really, really trying to be dark, atmospheric and foreboding. It's just it's painting a scene and letting the forebodingness just uh, bleed through naturally and organically because, you know, you see cinematographers and artists really try hard to make something look spooky. And by doing that, it's just like you might as well just have flashing on the screen in big neon letters be scared now be scared now and it, it doesn't really it shouldn't really work like that it should be uh tense and atmospheric on its own nature you know yeah definitely yeah and it's it's amazing to see as well because it's been i think it'll be two years in october since issue one came out and it's been amazing to see her journey as an artist as well adapt and you can see like the style evolving through into issue three and now issue four as well yeah, and it, yeah, and it, 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 I think I just think it really works well. Uh, the characters all look uh, pretty distinct from each other, but they also look like they're uh, part of the same world. Oftentimes, you get uh, artists who create different characters, and it, and it, I don't know, they feel they feel sort of like at odd with with each other. Everything feels like it's it belongs in this world. Everything, except for. The ghosts, they feel like they're from another world. Mm, yeah. I, I really love this one panel with the uh, little kid who's like, who's heard his mum's voice creepily mm. in the asylum. And it's like, well, I'm going to follow that, obviously. You know, I heard my dead mum's voice. I'm in an asylum full of ghosts. I should follow it. <laughs> and then it's just like, he's like, mum? And then he t and turns around and behind him is like the door holding one of the ghosts with like a big a fucking butcher's cleaver. And it's just like, oh, Okay, it's brown tries a time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's the last we see of him so far after issue three. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, uh, issue, issue four, you know, you'll you'll find out what what the outcome was. Really. <laughs> oh, now you've got now you got me all tense and excited. I can't handle it. <coughs> also, I'm dying. No, <coughs> oh, Jesus, it's one of the things where oh god, now my voice has gone weird. What's happening? Ah, my body is changing and I don't like it. I only thought I was going to have to go through puberty once. You lied to me, Mum. <clears throat> uh, it's... There we go. That's, that's about it. It's one of those things where if I cough once, I then have to cough 50 more times because my body hates me. And I hate it. Just Damn it. Just get it all out. Just get it all out. Knew I should have gotten the receipt. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, any more Oh, yeah. There's the priest guy who it yep. turns out is an exorcist. Is that the Exorcist theme? Close, I think. Close enough. I I, I don't remember. <laughs> I I've got. I've, do you know I've had it in my head for the last couple of days? I've had one of the songs from the band Mouse Rat from the sitcom Parks and Rec Recreation in my head. Right. And I don't know why. Why is Chris Pratt in my head? Maybe I'm having some, like, anxiety dreams over what is happening with Guardians of the Galaxy. We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about that. Say that for another day. Uh, so, and, yeah, and he basically, he's there 
just as a sort of like a spiritual uh, security guard, if you will, yeah. for uh, all the ghosts, just sort of making sure that everything... Uh, basically, if a ghost gets out of control, that he's there to deal with. Because, like, let's be honest, like, if a ghost escapes... That's who I'd call. I wouldn't call a fucking bunch of teenagers in a van with a dog. Mm. I I call a fucking exorcist. And uh, I, I've done too many Ghostbusters references in this episode already. I can't do a who are you gonna call thing. I can't. I can't. It's it's too easy. It's too easy. But he's also sort of there for Josh because yeah. uh, Josh is there because he's a psychic and he does seances thing, and he's done basically to sort of he's basically if the uh, if the priest is sort of like the ghost. Uh, su- supernatural security guard he's a supernatural psychiatrist mm. that'd be fair to say sort of finding out who these ghosts actually are because they don't know that much about them mm. and um trying to find out you know what makes them tick how dangerous they are and also get some information out there so that, so that when people like tourists come to the science city they can like they're not just like looking at a creepy guy with like a butcher's cleaver they're finding out a bit more about him and yeah. uh Problem is, he can get sort of um, possessed, a bit possessed-y, and things can go rather wrong. Yeah, so that's 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 the priest's um, main purpose on the island. He's to foresee um, Josh's like um, uh, psychic abilities. That he's, you know, what what when he goes into a vision with one of the ghosts, he he actually enters their world and enters their mind kind of thing and can see into that and by doing that he becomes um almost unconscious so it's when he's trying to come back out of that world that he could potentially become possessed by said ghost when he comes back he brings something with him that's it yeah all these broken pasts as well but again the priest has got his own history as well he's from the ministry of exorcists and uh they, they like, is it, I, I, I swear i swear that's a real thing like the vatican has like an oh, exorcism yeah. guy on hand yeah, they, they don't admit it but it's, it's said to exist along with all the nazi gold they have stored in the vatican bank what what who said that what <laughs> i've done research it's there <laughs> it's a whole thing from world war ii and croatia but uh, that's a whole other thing I guess you don't know. I tend to get a bit sidetracked. But yeah, I think that's... It's one of those things, like, you would have had to have it there, and I'm so glad you included it. Because it's also... It's interesting, because um, it reminded me very much of the sort of uh, relationship between that um, the priest and the guy from um, that comic Outcast. Yeah, yeah. Right, that uh, and the, that uh, yeah. TV series that nobody watched. Mm, shame. <laughs> like, I think I watched one episode of that, and it was just like... Good for you, Philip Glanister. Yeah, you're getting back out there after ashes, after ashes to ashes. Like, yeah, good for you, good for you. Shame it's so fucking boring. I'm gonna see something else. It's made it to season two though, so it's not doing too bad. Oh, okay then. Fair, fair, Actually, fair enough. Season, season three is coming out this uh, year as well. What can I say? I'm more of a Winona Earp guy. That's how I like my horror. <laughs> I told that devil to take you back. That. That's my that's my jam. <laughs> but also uh, another character I really like is um, Deakins because he seems, yeah. I mean, sort of like the, the classic sort of entrepreneurial. Says he's got the best interest of the public in mind, but you can tell he's kind of in it for the money sort of thing. Mm. Like the, the scene where that really hit me, where he's talking to the journalist yeah. about uh, basically they they show the big like food preparation area from the old asylum. And saying this is going to be like the food court, and we're going to have like McDonald's and Burger King and KFC and shit, you know, for the kids because they can be so picky. And John is just like in a rare moment of actual, you know, fucking sanity and common sense. He's just like, but you're going to have, invite kids here, and the and Deacons is like at their parents' discretion, of course. And it's like, oh, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You know what you're about. Yeah, there's a there's a very fine line with uh, Mr. Deacons in his morbid curiosity. I'll say that word. His and, curious uh, orifices. What are you on about? <laughs> That's a different film. Um, yeah, between that and you know, obviously, trying to trying to make money off the land as well. It's a it's a big expensive production, so you know you gotta but gotta it, break even. 
But it is, it is very uh, human, as you say, because it's one of those things where you know it's a bad idea, you know, but then that horrible little phrase pops up in your brain, but what if it works? <laughs> and uh, that's some of the most stupidest things in human history have been done because of that stupid voice and yeah. that stupid phrase, uh, but what if it can work? What it's, if it... And uh, you can only really... Uh, yeah. If somebody could do this, they would do it, wouldn't they? Let's Absolutely, there would be some nut job. I think, like, if ghosts were real and they could find a way to contain them and show them to public, they would try. And uh, it's one of those things where it would be so easy for you to just completely, utterly demonize him, and you can tell that he's not a good guy. But you can also tell that, like, um, he doesn't have any necessarily bad intentions he has good intentions although i hear the road to hell is paved with that sort of thing and uh you, you sort of um when you hear him talk about his hear about his uh passion for it you kind of um you kind of get sucked into his viewpoint there's a bit, another little voice in the back of head saying like nope 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 you know this is gonna fail you know this is going to do spare no expense blah, 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 blah. and but it's 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 a very charismatic character. I do have to say. Yeah, um, that, that's the way he was meant to be portrayed. Yeah, and I think it's uh, like you said. There's a you kind of side with him, and then you you know get sucked into his perspective. And I think the important thing with Mr. Deacons is you you you're unsure if he's friend or foe, and that's what I like, and that's what is to probably be determined by the end of the series of how how it concludes. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't like the look of that Lance guy, he's butler. Yeah, Lance, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little kids just sat next, sat next to like a, a displayed Lance, head of a boar. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what's that kind of animal? And then he go, rushes up to him saying, Don't you touch it, you little tearaway ragtag bastard! <laughs> and he's just like, I was just asking what kind of animal it was. You are a child and therefore greasy and unclean! <laughs> Absolutely, that's, that's what you I may be exaggerating a little bit, Capers. The, the actual comic is much more subtle than that. <laughs> I'm not selling it very well. I, I, re I regret not using that dialogue now. Don't you know what this is? This is a boar, you insufferable <laughs> ragamuffin! Oh, God. Um, that's the one thing I do have to ask. Um, so, issue three was much shorter than issues one and two. Issues one and two were like 40 pages. This was only like 20-odd, uh, 30-odd? Uh, Why was 20, that? 25, yeah. Um, so, issue one was 44 pages. Um that that because it was my first comic it was my first obviously learning experience of how to make comics mm. and it i didn't really have discipline then as well and you your usual comic standard is 25 pages 24 pages isn't it and with that i was just like well i got to 24 pages and they hadn't even got to the island yet and i was calling it ghost island and i thought i can't do that so it just got well, I've read through the whole comic and there is no island or ghost in this comic about... <laughs> all, but, well, there's actually this one ghost, but there's no island. There's no island in this thing called Ghost Island, so I am done. I am out. You lied to me, ghost comic. You lied to me. Exactly. So I didn't want to um, just end it like that. So I went to 44 pages for the first issue, which does sometimes happen for new series, you know, like Image and stuff. I um, I've seen longer first issues, to be honest. Yeah. Um... And then I think it ends on enough of a hook to bring you back for two. And then issue two was 35 pages. And it was just about me getting to a kind of discipline. Then to, it needs to be short runs because obviously 44 pages of artwork is a lot of money. Um, yeah. or, you know, all, all artists are paid. You know, their page rate that they... Um, they're not necessarily paid well, but they're paid. Yeah, well, well, it's what I always, you know, I always um, pay whatever the artist is, you know, is their standard page rate. You know, it's it, they've got a feed themselves obviously and you know I'm, that's why the kickstarters are really important because guess what idiots of the world being an artist is a job the <laughs> horror stories you hear oh, yeah. like if i i swear to god if i hear one more instance of someone saying i'll pay you in exposure i'm gonna throttle someone because <laughs> what is exposure can i spend it at the shop can i eat it will it pay the rent no oh i'm sorry so you're a head fudge ma hedge fund manager okay right well i'll pay you to manage my hedge or whatever it is hedge fund managers do and i'll pay you in exposure how's that 
I thought you paid me money. No, you manage my hedge fund and I'll pay you an exposure. I'll tell other people that you manage my hedge fund really well. I promise. <laughs> Fucking yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. So, yeah. All, all the artists get paid up front and then they, they kickstart as um, uh, uh, pay, pay for the artist fees as well. And obviously the printing costs and uh, postage and stuff. That That's solely it. So the kickstarts are really important. Anyway, back to the point of why it was 44 yeah. pages. Um, to to do like 44 page book again would cost nearly three and a half thousand plus um, for that issue. So it just wasn't going to be sustainable, you know, to do that. Um, I think you made the right decision. Time. Yeah, I, I do too. And we can bring the issues out quicker as well. You know, issue four, that, that's two issues of both styling about this year. And then we'll do the final two at the beginning of first half of next year and complete the series now. So... Yeah, it's, it's worked out for the, the best. Which brings me to my next point on what is the future of Ghost Island? I was going to ask uh, what your plans are for the rest of the series. Can you give us any hints or... Um, so issue four that um, explores um, the, the... Well, the group's pretty much split up at this point in issue four. And it goes into... All right, more. gang, let's split up. That always <laughs> works in a horror story. It, it, it goes into more of... Um, you know finding trying to trying to find the the missing boy um and there's there's honestly there's a lot of twists and turns to come and possibly an ending that you didn't expect and yeah that that's issue five uh, issue four of september 3rd on kickstart and then five and six next year and then like i was saying before about there's so much potential for um stories of on each of the ghosts on ghost island potentially in the future we could do like one shot comics um, that go into the histories of each of the ghosts on the island, so they have their own little backstory one-shot um, series that could, you know, go in alongside you. you, could do, you, you uh, it's such a great thing, because you basically do dozens of stories about this thing. Take that, 13 ghosts! <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's why I, I I thought that in Ghosts of Missing, you know, going into the histories of these very, very interesting-looking book ghosts. Yeah, it, w- it would be... It will be very interesting. But uh, also something else I interesting I want to talk about. I want to talk about some of the other works. So let's just... Can you give us a brief, bit of a brief overview for the capers of some of the other work, like a Wendigo Wood and stuff? Mm. So Wendigo Wood is a folk horror comic series. Um, we kick-started it uh, two months ago. It's one of our most successful kickstarters we've ever had. The 377 backers and nearly £4,000. Um, the basic premise of that is um, a, a retired war veteran's daughter's been missing for the last 10 years and one night he gets a phone call from give me back my daughter <laughs> from supposedly hair which leads him to wendigo wood and well if people don't know what a wendigo is it's like a half man half cannibalistic monster it's like uh, a native american legend yeah yeah and if you've played like games like until dawn you'll know what wendigo is and slightly different or the character from the hulk comics yeah i've never seen that but yeah um it's, it's kind of weird, like, um, basically it's a curse that passes from person to person and he jumps around going like, Wendigo! And it's kind of weird. It's, it's very much like, um, uh, if you've seen films like The Wicker Man, The Ritual Kill List, it's got like this cult. The original uh, Wicker Man! Yeah. The original oh, yeah. Wicker Man! I don't know what other Wicker Man you're talking about. Um, I will not do it. I I did gash in. Nah, no, I don't want to. No, 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 the bees! No, the bees! Out of my eyes! My eyes! Ha! Ha! They're nowhere near your eyes, Nick. They're nowhere near your eyes. (laughs) And we've got. I'm so um, sorry. (laughs) We've got Folk Tales of the Cryptids as well, which was like a horror anthology. Four short horror tales each based on like an urban legend like a cryptid so you've got like sasquatch and um, chupacabra and um, pukawoji and the mothman and oh, it goes, right. so I, i'm actually kind of uh one of the things i do kind of like i am kind of interested in cryptids and those sort of uh oh, cool. legends uh pukawoji i i know i've heard the name i think in reference to like a harry potter thing recently but uh the mothman that's something from like virginia isn't it yeah, yeah virginia it's, america it's very popular there yeah just got a statue and the Chupacabra is from uh, Mexico, like, yep. uh, what was it, Puerto Rico? Uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like the goat eater thing. Mm. And uh, what was the other one? 
Uh, well, it's actually called the Momo Man, and it's based in Missouri. And um, the Momo Man. Yeah, it's like a. It's it's very much like a Bigfoot, uh, Sasquatch kind of character. But it's oh, okay. I didn't want to go like down the route of just oh, like it's just Bigfoot, you know, it's like yeah. more central stack character. Um, but yeah, that we had a different artist and a different colorist for each story on that. So there was over like twelve different artists involved, and I I wrote each six page. Uh, short story but yeah i'll send you the uh, pdf afterwards if you want to take a look at it yeah i would I, if you, that's very kind of you thank you very much yeah i would i would really like to do that I, I don't know it's sort of like um with, with cryptids it's kind of different from like slasher things or ghost things because you could sort of um well maybe a bit with ghosts but with, with cryptids you can sort of create like a it's like a mythical taxonomy or bestiary if you will and it sort of lends itself to sort of um real life sort of Mm. It sort of blurs the lines between uh, fiction and reality. Almost. I mean, we know uh, we know Bigfoot doesn't exist and everything, yeah. but and we know the Loch Ness monster doesn't exist. But like, we don't know what's down there, and mm. the waters look so dark mm. and scary. Uh, and it also sort of fascinates me, particularly like the British legends. A lot of them come out of uh, American stuff, but I like the British one, like the uh, Beast of Bodmin Moor and Black mm. Dog and Spring Hill Jagger. Spring Hill Jagger. That's not really so much of a cryptic. No. Though. No. Block as you've got, yeah, and is it, I don't know, just I find it kind of fascinating. I'm really not sure why. The Jersey Devil. Yeah. Well, they, they, they think there's just like a devil creature, like on a road somewhere in Jersey. <laughs> sure. Well, they've been, they've been at, like our most popular Kickstarters as well. I think because there's not that been explored in comics as well. You know, like cryptids and the lore of that as well. Um, so it, it's it's tapping into that, you know, fan bases, people that like cryptozoology. Yeah, that's another thing he's called. It is that is the technical term for it, cryptozoology, and I find that fascinating. Well, yeah, there's there's, there's mass like courses dedicated to them. <laughs> like people have doctorates in it and things like that. You can get a doctorate in anything today, though. You can get a doctorate in food photography. That's true. No offence to all the food photographers out there. You do a great job. And yet I never see any of your work and in a menu. Like if on the rare, rare, rare occasion I go to a restaurant, you never see a picture of the food you're about to eat next. Like, like I mean, like some food, like, you know, like sausages and mash, like, you know what you're going to get. But other meals that are like specific to that restaurant, like maybe if I saw a picture of the thing... I'd be more inclined to get it because otherwise I'm just basically reading a description. And you don't do that when you buy anything else. When you get a car, you don't just read a description. You look at the car. Yeah. You know? I can't be alone in this. I want physical... Because, like, it, it sounds delicious and then it comes and it looks like an unappetizing bowl of slop. And it's like, well, it sounds good. I mean, it tasted good, but it doesn't look very nice. So maybe if you actually got photograph the food and put it in the menu so I could see what I'm about to get, that might improve the dining experience. <laughs> don't know what we got from cryptids to this, but I don't know either. <laughs> this is how my brain works or does not work. Uh, okay, so one other question I do have, and this question I do like to ask: um, What's a story you want to tell but you Ooh. haven't done yet? Ooh. Uh... Your time starts now. You know, I mean, there are plans to tell other stories. I mean, the schedule for us after like comics is filled for 2019. Um, like six more books coming out next year. Um, so the you know, there's stories I want to tell, but if I told you now, it'll be. Giving away all the secrets. You know? That's a very good point. Yeah, maybe I should stop asking that question. <laughs> stop interrogating me. <laughs> I'm sorry away. that I invited you on this interview <laughs> and started asking questions of you. What was I thinking? That's not how it works. <laughs> okay, so um, one thing I, have, I would like to know, you did 29 cons last year. What cons are you going to in the near future? Um, so I'll be at Thought Bubble um, next month. Mm -hmm. uh, um, potentially launching Ghost Island 4, the, the book there. Uh, and then I'll be at London, MCM, and I'll be the last one this year. Yeah, because I, so. I, I should hope that would be the last one. Because after Thought Bubble and MCM, you are going to be tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, Madhouse. 
Yeah, London. London's crazy. <laughs> London's crazy without the Comic Con. Jeez. <laughs> it's true. Happens <laughs> to just get there. It's crazy from Liverpool on a coach for six hours. <laughs> hey, hey. Better be on a coach for six hours than wait in an airport for several more hours, waiting for a Ryanair flight that refuses to come. Get on the Ryanair flight, feel like you're going to die every step of the way. Finally, touchdown, and then boom, you're in London. And I had to go through recently. Jeez. Your biggest, your biggest mistake there was going with Ryanair. Yes, because mistake. Here's the thing about Ryanair. People, like, I've never been on a Ryanair flight that wasn't late. Mm. And sometimes they're late by half an hour, sometimes they're late by three hours or more. And it's just like, and then when I complain about people, always say, well, you get what you pay for. Well, no, I pay for the plane to arrive on time. That's like, if, if, if that was what was painful, then that would be advertised by Ryanair, you know? Uh, okay, so all our planes may be late, but uh, at least they're cheap. No, no, they don't do that. You pay for the plane to arrive at the time they say it's going to arrive and leave at the time it says it's going to leave. Like, I know things happen and, you know, schedules get bumped and, you know, you know there are going to be delays sometimes. But literally every time, literally every time. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about comics at one point. I don't know what <laughs> happened. It's sort of devolved. Where, Joseph, can people find Ghost Island? So after like comics.com, um, you can go on there. All our, we've got digital PDFs or the, the comic books. You can buy that directly from us. Link in the show notes. Yeah, and uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You just type in Afterlight Comics, you can follow us on there. Yeah, I think people definitely should. This is a, it, it's a really interesting, and, and it, it's sort of, I always say it's getting me into the whole genre of ghost things, because yeah. they still scare me, Joseph, they still scare me. But uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm still glad I saw this comic, and I think it's going to go places. Cool, yeah, appreciate it, man. Not a problem, not a problem. So th thank you, and thank you again for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me on, Scott. It's been a, it's a, big, been a very good laugh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> hey, we're, we're doing, talking about a story called Ghost Island with brutal murders and tragic backstories and, like, child murder. We need a good laugh. We really do. And if you had a good laugh, Capers, please tell your friends, shout it from the rooftops. And if I'm already, go back and listen to some of our other super episodes, like more recently, the Maddie the Monster Hunter episode. That was a lot of fun. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, or at podcapers.com. We have a Patreon. Check out the awards, patreon.com forward slash ap2hyc. If you want to get in touch with us, suggest show topics, or maybe come on the show yourself, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ap2hyc, or email us at podcapers at hp2hyc.com. Thank you very much to Dan Harris for our logo, the lovely microphone with the red and blue 3D glasses. Those are mine. And thank you for listening. This has been Podcapers, the official podcast of a place to hang your cape. Oh, look, my mum's crawling on the ceiling, and now her head's turning around, and she's spewing vomit on me. What fun. Cheer the music! Thank <laughs> you.